Tonight, uh, we have uh, three individuals that are going to share some very powerful things with us. First of all, Karen Coe. Come up here, Karen. Now, Karen just got back from a mission trip for, tell us where you went and for how long. I went to Bolivia for 10 days. Karen was in Bolivia for 10 days, and I just asked her to share for a few minutes what God did on that trip. Yes. Um, I just have to say God is so, so good. Um, like, the whole time, um, like, that just kept resonating within me, like, God is so, so good. And then it was just crazy because I came here and the Sunday was when um, the pastor from Korea was preaching and she was preaching on that. So I was like, oh my gosh. But um, a group of about 35 of us from all over the States and from one person from Korea and a couple from Guatemala, um, we went to Bolivia and we started in the city of Santa Cruz, which is um, their main, um, more rich area, and then we moved on to the city of La Paz, which is really high up, Um, and basically in Santa Cruz, like, we saw God just, just come so, so amazingly, and I've gone on medical missions for the three summers before this summer, and um, they were always in Panama, and it was just so weird, because it was so different, like, in Panama, whenever we prayed, like, we always had to press in a lot, and it was just so different, because we didn't have to press in, like, the presence of God was so easy, and, like, it just came like that, and, like, when you see these people, like, you see them, and, and their hearts are crying out for God, and, like, they're so desperate for God, and, and when you just see that, it's like, why can't I have that same desperation? And, you know, why can't I cry out to God in that same way? And it's, it's like we've, we've gone to, you know, to try and bless them. And in the end, they ended up blessing us so much more. And um, my heart goes out to medical. So, um, like, as much as I try to do VBS, I can't because I'm stuck in medical. But, um, like, our medicine really can only go so far. And we saw so many people, I mean, This year, I haven't seen crowds this big ever, ever. Like, in one day, we treated about 250 people. And, like, our medicine, really, it's basic painkillers. It's basic vitamins, basic antibiotics. Beyond that, we can do nothing. And, like, people would be sitting in front of us with heart problems. They have swelling in their feet so bad because of their heart. And we can't do anything about that. And, you know, it's like... I see them, and I see their desperation, and I see, you know, how much God's heart goes out to them. And, like, in the natural, like, I want to give them the world. But, like, all of a sudden it just hit me, and I was like, let's send them to prayer. And so (laughs) we send them to prayer, and it's like, bam, bam, bam. And it just, you know, like, the Spirit of God just fell on them, and, like, we saw people being saved left and right. And, um... I guess I just want to end with this, but um, when I got back, like, the whole time I didn't have internet access, so I couldn't check Facebook or anything, and when I got back, I I saw a message from Pastor Ben, and it basically said that he was praying for me, and I was like, oh, that's nice, and um, (laughs) I was like, wait a minute, let me count the days, so I counted the days, and um, I thought about it, and actually... The day that he sent the message was the day when I was in La Paz, and I woke up, and I went inside the shower, and that day was just so, so bad. Like, 
I went into the shower in the morning to start, and I almost fainted in the shower because the air is so thin. And, like, it was so bad, I almost had to cry out to my roommates, like, help me. And, like, all I can say was, like, help me, Jesus. And the whole day, like, literally, it was like, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. And, um, like, when I woke up the next morning, um, like, I woke up and I had so much excitement in my heart. And I had no idea why. And, um, like, I came downstairs for breakfast and, um, like, our pastor was like, Karen, why are you glowing this morning? And I was like, I don't know. And it was just like my heart was just pounding and beating. And I was like, God, you're going to do something today, aren't you? And, and we got out to the field and we were in a public place, in the public marketplace. And, um, like, I was doing something and all of a sudden I just glanced up. And as soon as I glanced up, like, the fire of God just, bam, it just, like, I saw the fire of God. And it was just so amazing. And it's like, I really want to encourage you guys to pray for our Cambodia team and pray for our Indonesia team. Because even though you don't know it and God wakes you up at 3 in the morning, like, I get angry sometimes, you know. It's like, why are you waking me up? I got to go to work. But there's a time difference in Cambodia and Indonesia. So when God wakes you up at 3 in the morning, like, you better know it makes a difference. And you better know that that we need to cover our team in prayer. So I just really want to encourage you guys to keep them in prayer. Yes, my God, my God. Um, I'm so happy to be here to just share a little bit about what God deposited in me. Um, when I was at New Philadelphia. And first of all, I just want to say I'm so happy to be back at Living Hope because y'all are my family. And um, my heart just really burns for this community and this family. And um, none more so when I was in uh, New Philadelphia. I just kept on thinking about our family here. And I'm just so excited to share with you what, guys, uh, what God deposited in me while I was in Korea. Um, one, of the, one of the core values, um, and I'll read it to you in a second, um, that New Philadelphia talks about. It's just this word extravagance. And I want to, and I pray that this word will just be deposited in your heart um, as I bear witness to that word. Um, but I want to read the first core value of New Philadelphia. And it's something that just really blessed my heart while I was there. Um, the first core value is be extravagant in worship. Just like the woman who broke the alabaster jar over Jesus, we believe worship should be wastefully extravagant. Thus, we host an environment where people pour out their hearts to God in song, prayer, and expressions of praise. We also believe that financial giving is a beautiful aspect of worship. When we give, we generously give because we know we can never outgive God. Um, when I was there at New Philadelphia, and just being in worship is a crazy experience. Like, I'm not the type of person who likes to jump up and down and get crazy, but I could not help myself when I was with those people. And it was just something in the atmosphere. The way that they worship, you just saw them wastefully laying themselves before God. And it was just so encouraging to me, and it brought so much freedom in my life. I just started jumping up and down and convulsing. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's going on because I don't normally do this. But I really want to talk about a little bit for a second. um, The woman who broke the alabaster jar over Jesus. And that comes um, from Mark 14. And I just want to read it very briefly. Um, You guys all know the story. So I just wanted to share this one part. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, 
Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. Can I just say something right now? Nothing that is laid before the feet of Jesus is a waste. In fact, everything, the world may look at what you're doing and see it as wasteful, but Jesus sees it as extravagant. Yes. As extravagant. And that's what God just began to pour in my heart as I worship. It's like, God, you know, sometimes I don't feel like worshiping, and what's the point? But Lord God, I want to worship you extravagantly. That the world would see it as wasteful, but you know, God, that I'm doing an extravagance towards you because I love you. And you know, in that extravagance, that word pours out into many other areas beyond worship. It goes into giving. Um, and what I saw so clearly when I was at um, New Philadelphia was it also extends to um, service. You know, while we were there, um, they, they served us so incredibly well. Like they had a sign-up sheet. Every day people would sign up to take us out to dinner. Like they would all, there were people volunteer every day and they would sign up and they would meet us at the office at five o'clock, pick us up. They'd treat us out to dinner. They were indignant that we would not pay for anything anything and then at night they would take us out and we would have fun and i was just so blessed by that heart of service um and it's kind of like that idea that because jesus loved us first that we love him back it's kind of like as they were serving me it kind of shined the light on like areas of my life where i'm like dang do i serve like that like man but when they were serving me the thing was they were honoring me and what i realized was um man I'm a son of living hope. And because I'm a son of living hope, like the amount of honor that they were giving me, I was like, am I really this man that they believe that I am to be? Because I'm like, they are pouring out money and their love to me like crazy. But it was that heart of honor. It was that extravagance. And what honor does is it lifts you to a different place that maybe you thought you weren't at. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you serve that person, when they were serving me, I was like, I am a son of living hope. I am a part of a powerful house. This is who I am. So serve me. I like you. This is good. But that's what honoring does. That's what extravagance and honoring does when you serve other people. And I was so challenged by that. Um, before I left to Korea, I was talking to Pastor Benjamin about um, just about the house and, and how I might be able to serve the house and I just um, kind of been experimenting with the idea of sonship, not really sure like if I'd fully committed or not. And we're just talking about maybe perhaps what I would be doing. And I asked Pastor Benjamin this question. I was like, so everything you say that that I'm going to do or I can do, um, so can I do that part-time? Or uh, do you think like in order to do that, I have to do it full-time? And then he looked at me, right? And he was like, well, you could do it part-time if you want, but if you want to do it well, you got to do it full-time. And I was like, oh, my God, okay. Um, I was like, I got it full-time, but I want you to, if you can, and bear with me, just listen to my attitude as I was saying it. Um, my attitude was, what can I do the minimal amount of work to get the job done, right? It was like, what's the bare minimum I can do to get the job done? But what would an extravagant worshiper and giver do? An extravagant worshiper and giver said, Pastor Benjamin, how far can we take this? How far can we go? How high can we go? How high can we take it? And that was just the the difference in my heart. I could see by simply by this word extravagance. Um, 
You know, um, I wanted to share one last story, and it comes from a very well-known parable that we all know. It's the parable of the prodigal son. Um, And a lot of us have stepped into sonship, which is a great thing, you know. Um, We know God is Father. Um, He has clothed us. He has put a robe around us. He has put a ring on our finger. But I just want to focus a little bit on the older brother. And I know people have touched about that before, but I just wanted to share this scripture. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. In the NIV it says, I have slaved. I have been slaving. And I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. And I just want to touch a little upon about the mentality of the older brother in this prodigal son. Um, how many of you know that you can be a son and you could be slaving in the house? You can be slaving in the house, but you could be a son. And um, what God began to do in my heart, and, and I be, just began to see was um, the older son, and the father makes this distinct, distinction. The older son, he didn't know what he had. The father comes back and says, if you only knew that what was in my house was yours. See, the only reason why... He felt like he was slaving in the house was because he didn't know that the inheritance was already his. He didn't know that what is being deposited in the house is already his. You know, a lot of us, um, and as I began to come into this understanding, a lot of us has become sons. But you can be a son with a slave mentality, or you can be a son with a prince mentality. And a prince knows that everything in the house is his. He knows that everything in the house is his. He doesn't work in a deficit. There is no deficit. Therefore, he can give and he can serve freely. And so the difference is, and God was calling me, it reminded me, like, check your attitude. Because are you a son but a slave in your head? And I was like, man, I've been slaving away in my head. I thought I was a son, but I was slaving away in the house. Because what that slave mentality did was it kept me from serving extravagantly it kept me it's like what can i do minimally because you know what this older son was probably doing he didn't know that everything in his house was his father's like when the master is not looking that son that slave right the slave's just chilling right it's like oh the the master's not looking i'm just gonna take a break the master's not looking so you know what it's okay i'm just gonna take it easy right now i'm just gonna take it easy what does a slave do they take it easy they do the minimal amount of work that is required so they don't get beat But I think God wants to change our mentality to be princes. To be princes that we would be extravagant in our worship, be extravagant in our serving, be extravagant in our giving. And this is the revelation that God imparted to me while I was there. And that I wish that God would just sow into your heart deeply. Um, The one thing was, um, not only had God, as I was seeing this, calling me to sow extravagantly, but he was calling me to reap extravagantly. Hallelujah, right? Well, he was calling me to reap extravagant. You know, like when those people were serving me in Korea, a part of me was like, right? I was like, check. I was like, wait, I'm, I'm not used to this. I don't deserve it. I wanted to pay for everything. That Korean side of me was like, no, it's okay. Let me pay. I can pay for this. Don't worry about it. I can pay for it. I can pay for it. I got money. Okay? And I just, and I just, I just felt unworthy of that extravagance. That's what it was because I felt like I didn't deserve it. But as I was telling you, God began to change my mind. And, um... Yeah, a prince does not refuse service or feel guilty about being served. 
He doesn't feel guilty. Heck no. So with that mentality, Lord God, he's been changing me. Like, I used to worry about my finances and how I'm going to go forth. But I'm like, I'm a prince. I lack nothing. I lack, I am in no deficit. So bring in the money. I'll ask for it. And I know I'm going to get it. I know I'm going to get it because I'm a prince. And God is just raising me in my level of authority and identity. And that's where I feel like he wants to take us in this house. Um. The last thing I wanted to share, and I know that I said that before, was just this idea of family. Like, I love family. God. Like, um, man, I've just been so blessed since I've been here. And um, one thing that God kind of showed me was a prince, he doesn't, he gets his identity from his family. A prince is not born into this world, and he does not inherently know when he's born that he's a prince. He knows he's a prince because the father gives him that identity because he's a, he knows he's a son in that house. And I believe God wants to take us through that progression. We've come into sonship, but now God wants to bring us through the family, through fellowshipping with each other. I've been growing in my identity as a son, but not only son, as a prince, since I've been fellowshipping with the body. We get our identity from each other. It comes from the family. And, it's, and it comes down from the Father, our spiritual Father and our Heavenly Father as well. Um, Man, I just want you guys to know you are powerful. And I just really feel like now is the time where we have to stand up and take our place. Our royal place and our royal place in the house. In the house. It's time for us to step up and take our place. You know, at family camp, like God hit me with that revelation of extravagant worship, right? And the first night I was in the front and I was worshiping extravagantly God. I was just like, I wasted at your feet. I don't care. But the second night was, okay, I kind of want to step back. Kind of made, you know, like the first night might have been a little too crazy. People not been ready for that. Like for me. So maybe I'll be two rows back this time. But God was like, no, David, I want you to take your place. Take your place. Rise up in your royal identity and take your place. And I feel like God is calling everyone here, take your place. And I want to challenge you guys this Sunday for Sunday shift. Take your place. Take your place here in the house. Rise up. Know that you are powerful. Know that you are a prince and a princess. Know that you have authority. And come take ownership of this house. Know that this house is yours. You don't have to worry about being manipulated or used because it's yours. This house is yours. It's your inheritance. Come up and take your place. So I want to encourage every single one of you guys to be here on Sunday shift. Take your place and take it with authority because you are a prince and a princess. Man, snap. We might as well just have the altar call right now. (laughs) Snap. So, let me just uh, start by saying before this trip, I was not a missionary. (laughs) And I'm still praying about it. No, but... uh, So it's my first trip out of the continent, and I already, I I wasn't even supposed to go in the first place. It was kind of like a joke, because nobody else had stepped up and said they wanted to go. So I was like, well, I'll go. And they were like, what? And I was like, I'll go. And so I get on the plane, and it's 12 hours to Japan. I get to Japan, and then uh, there's a typhoon. And so I'm going to go to the next flight because there's like a layover. And they say, oh, sir, oh, stand, stand right here. Hold on. 
stand right here. And then they go and they're helping people. And I'm like, what? and then somebody else comes like, oh, sir, stand right here, stand right here. So for like 35 minutes, we're standing there like, I'm like, do you know what's going on? I don't know what's going on. And they come back and they say, your flight's been canceled. And uh, you need to go and get another flight. Now, I may look tough. <laughs> but when you in Japan and you ain't never flown nowhere before and they tell you your flight is canceled. I was like, oh, snap. Okay, where's my computer? I was like, Ben, wake up. Honey, what do I do? Man, I was hecka scared. So I was stuck in the in the airport for 20 hours. Oh, mercy. That was jacked. So I went to the thing. They said, there's no flights to the next day. So I had to spend the night in the airport. I got the flight, 9.30, flew out, got to Korea, fine, perfect. Everything was cool. All right. So I get there, and man, it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. From the very beginning, I mean, when they picked me up, and uh, I met Marcus, one of the only black people in Korea. <laughs> they sent him to pick me up. <laughs> I'm like, what's up, dog? I don't know why. <laughs> so they pick me. He picks me up, takes me back. And uh, and it was the same thing. He was like, I was like, uh, okay, what do I need to do to get Because we took the, the subway. And he's like, okay, I got it, I got it. And so he put $10 on a card. He was like, you're going to need this card everywhere you go. Just, you know, ding, ding, ding. He's like, you hungry? Okay, let's get some food. Okay, I got it. And uh I was, he's not even Korean, but he's got the, he's already got that that mentality that he was talking about about giving and uh, about taking care of your guests. And uh, so uh, we get there, and um, um, they tell me who I'm going to be with. I was I was shadowing the the uh, the worship pastor there. His name is John. And uh, right away, like they're like, okay, let's get to work. And they're like, you're going to be going to these services. They're called K one. Snap. K1 is the bomb. So they got this service. It's two hours long. And it's just worship and intercession. And it's like nothing I ever experienced. So the first night I'm, I'm there and, uh, and they're worshiping. It's cool. Everything's good. But then they do this thing where they say, okay, now we're going to read the word and then we're going to sing it. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so the lady comes up, his, his, his wife comes up, and she's reading the scripture. And then she starts praying, you know, the, the scripture. She's praying it. And then he starts, like, singing. And he's doing, like, a spontaneous song to the scripture. And I'm like, what is he doing? And then the worship team, they started singing stuff. And everybody starts singing, you know, the scripture. And it was like something I never really experienced. It's kind of even hard to to even explain what it was or what it even sound. I mean, it was at first it was weird. The second night I was like this listening. Okay, what's that scripture say? Because I'm about to sing me some scripture. <laughs> and I was listening and I got that. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I start. I mean, it was like it was it was tight. It was intense. But uh, 
But the K1 services, what what I realized doing those, because John, uh, he, he said, okay, you got to go to all the K1 services. You got to go to all services. So they have three K1 services. They have a morning, Tuesday morning prayer and intercession for the leaders, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, and Thursday night. So I got my prayer on. But you know what I realized? How important it is to be in the presence of God. Oh, my goodness. We think that we are doing good by having service on Thursday, having our Wednesday fellowship, having Sunday fellowship. I mean, it's not enough. It's not enough. Let me tell you something. When you get into the presence of God on a regular basis, things change. Think, man, I'm telling you. Things were different. I felt different. I even prayed different. When I began to pray something, I was like, wait a minute. I'm not, I don't normally pray like this. Something is different. Even my tongues was different. It was like things. I was just more powerful. Everything just that I did was just to a whole nother level. And even when I left the place, even when we went out and we were on the street and hanging out and doing other things, you still felt different. It, it was, it wasn't the same Charles yeah. and every day it just got greater and greater and greater. And I woke up wanting to go to K one. I woke up like, you know, if we would have told if we would say, okay, we're going to do three service and we want you all to be there. It's Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning. Thir-, you'd be like, man, that's too much. <laughs> I woke up wanting to be in the prince. I woke up and check this out. So they live like in this ghetto. It's like a, what, what is it? It's like a, it's, where's the ET one? It's like a, it's like a village. Like all the houses are just like right next to each other. And, and you just, there's no backyards. There's no front yards. You just got to find your way through the street somehow and hopefully don't get lost. So they showed us the way and they're like, okay, first we're going to show you the long way, which is the easy way. And then we're going to show you a shortcut. So if you get lost, just try and find your way back to the long way because there's no we don't have no cell phones or anything man i memorized that 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 shortcut because i wanted to get to that k1 service and uh, and uh he was like are you sure you can take the shortcut i was like oh i'm taking that shortcut because i want to get there i want to get i want to hurry up and get into the presence of god i mean it was powerful and you know what was crazy about those those services there's only like 20 people there for each service but when you close your eyes and you just get into the presence and you, it sounds like there's like a hundred people wow. or more. Wow. Was it not? We, we were sitting there and we looked at each other and we we're like, man, it's like, uh, must be like a hundred people up in here. And we looked around and we're like, and there's like 15 or 20 people up in here, but they go after it. When they pray, they pray with passion. They pray with fire. They pray with fervency. They are not ashamed to raise their voice, to scream, to shout. They are just, man, it's a whole different. I mean, we have some awesome services. When I led worship, I thought they shut the system off. I thought that the, I was looking at the sound man like, turn, turn up. What did you shut off? You know what happened? The voices were so loud. The 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 audience was actually leading us. If I went to the verse, but they weren't ready to go to the verse, we were singing the chorus all over again. I was like, oh, okay, we're doing the chorus again. 
They, I mean, they didn't need a worship leader. They just needed some music and okay, ready, go. And that's, I mean, that's how their culture is. They set a culture up of, of the thing about it in America. It's kind of uncool to be godly and to be a Jesus freak. It's kind of uncool. You know, the pressure is to not go to church. The pressure is to, you know, in over there, you almost feel weird to not have passion for God in your, in your heart. You almost feel weird to not be burning all the time. We were in a restaurant and we were having a birthday party and, oh, they be having birthday parties. <laughs> Dang. Every week they're like, oh, we're having a birthday party this week. You guys go. We got invited to like three birthday parties. So we're in the, we're in the restaurant and, uh, the birthday girl, she gets everybody. There's like 20 people. She, she gets everybody together and uh, she actually says, Charles, you got a big mouth. Tell everybody to listen. So I tell everybody, get over here. We're running. She wants to say something. Everybody gathers around and she says, for my birthday, I really want my best friend to get healed of cancer. We're right there in a the restaurant and she's like, I want you guys to pray, lay hands on her and she's going to get healed right now. We about to have church. Snap. Then people started praying. They started speaking in tongues. They started shouting. They started. It wasn't no. See, this is how we would do it. If we was in a restaurant. Father God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Heal this. Nah, 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 nah. They didn't care where they were, what was going on. They're like, she got cancer. She's about to get healed right now. Everybody, I mean, all, every single person at the party was just going for it. I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was crazy, but that's how their culture is that they set up a culture of prayer warriors, of powerful worshipers. It's just in them. And these aren't, these aren't, these aren't, um, how do I say older people? These are younger people. These are between 20 and like 30. These are young people who don't have to go to church. They're, they're just in college and some of them are teachers and some are there. Some of them actually went to Korea, not even to go to, to church or anything. They were trying to party. One of the, the girls said, yeah, I came to Korea because I known that it was, it was just a place where we can party and we could do whatever we want. And I had graduated from college and I was getting a job as an English teacher. Korea needs a lot of English teachers. And I was just here to party. But I found the church. I found New Philly. And dang, they are there. So we have our 15 minutes before service to pray. 30 minutes before service to pray. They come two hours, two hours before service to pray and intercede for the service. I was tripping out. I was like, and Okay, so they have their their prayer room. It was packed to capacity. It was not just like a few people. It was not just like the leaders. It was like the whole church came two hours to pre-service prayer to pray for the service. And it was intense. I got some video. I'm going to put it on, on the Facebook of the prayer. It was crazy. They go crazy in prayer. For pre-service prayer. 
And when you get to the service, they're just ready. They're just ready to go. They are fired up. They're just ready to go. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, another thing that, that, uh, that I learned, the first one was is uh, how important it is for our daily time with God. Spending daily time, it is very, it is vital. You know, a lot of times, last night we had a a prayer time and we were talking about praying for people who, uh, their hearts, you know, if your heart's not burning or if your heart stopped burning, you know, we wanted to pray and get you back into the fellowship. And, uh, And I was so thinking about this. If you are spending, if I'm spending daily time with my wife, my heart's going to continue to burn for my wife. If I'm spending intimate time, I'm talking about intentional time with my wife. My heart is never going to shift because every day I'm telling her how much I love her. I'm spending quality time with her. If we spend quality time with God, how can our hearts ever go away from God? How can we ever stop burning for him? If we're spending quality time with God. The next thing I've learned is the way they lead, the way the leaders lead. I almost felt bad at first because PC, Pastor Christian, he don't play. If you're a son or a daughter. You are going to get whooped. That is just how it goes. He will rebuke you while he's preaching. We are lucky. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I thought about it. I, and I said, you know what? If 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 PB would actually rebuke somebody other than Dale from the pulpit. <laughs> We might get up and leave. We might get like, oh, no, he did not say that to me. But you know what? They created this culture of sonship that is like nothing I've ever seen. You can he can rebuke them from the pulpit. And they're just like, man, I was totally wrong. I I repent. I'll never do that again. And their hearts are not bitter. Their hearts, they receive it. And they just go to a new level. And uh, what I was what I was thinking about is every time we get rebuked, it's to take us to another level. Every time when I was younger, when my father rebuked me, it was to make me the man I am today. If he would have never rebuked me, man, where would I be (laughs) if it had not been for the belt on my backside? I'm telling you, every time we get rebuked, it's to take us from that place where we are and to force us to go to a new place. And it's always, always causes us to grow. A rebuke will never leave you where you are. And as a leader, when we don't rebuke, we're telling our people that we don't want you to grow. We're telling our people that we don't care if you grow. If my father just didn't care, then I would never have turned into the person that I am today. 
Rebuke is good for us. When I first uh, came to the church, or, yeah, well, I tend to, to run things like a business. I tend to, when, when, uh, uh, when, I, when growing up, my dad always told me, son, you don't have to work at McDonald's. You don't have to work at a, you know, a job like that. You can be somebody. You can be a manager. You can be whatever you want. And so when I got my first job, I went in and said, I can, I can be a manager. So I went and applied for the management position. So I didn't get it. First, I didn't get it. I was working at UPS right out of high school. I went to UPS. I got, I got on, and the first thing they said, there was 10 people in the room. They said, 10 of you guys are here applying for this job. Only one of you guys will make it. And I said, that's going to be me. And he just laughed. Well, I got the job. Six weeks later, I applied for the management position and got the management position. Ever since then, I've never been just a regular employee. I've always, every job I've gone to, I applied for the management position and became a manager. Prepared for management and became a manager. Um, so I've always wanted to be a manager and run a business and whatever. So when I came to the church and became a worship leader, it was like my business. This is my business. So I got my employees and y'all got to do what I say or else I'm going to write you up. I'm going to suspend you. I'm going to fire you. I'm going to do whatever. It's a business. My business got to grow. But that's the problem. You see, a a father doesn't run his household like a business. And what I what I when I was watching the way that they lead and the way that Pastor John leads, he the, the worship leader over there. After each service, he gets the team together and he talks and says, "Okay, how do you guys feel that it was today? And then everybody puts in, you know, yeah, I feel it's pretty good. And then he says, "Okay, you know, it was good, but. When you did this, I didn't like that and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then he goes through and he does his rebuke. But nobody felt like they were going to get fired. Nobody felt like, like they were getting right up and they were going to get suspended. Everybody felt like they were getting called to a new level. Everybody felt like, okay, next week I'm going to a new level. Everybody felt like, you know what? I'm sorry I did that, Pastor John. You know, I don't know what I was thinking, but next week it's going to be even tighter. It's going to be even greater. I'm going to a new level. Every single person left built up, not torn down. And the thing about a business, the business only looks at, when you run it like a business, it's only looking at how the company can grow, really. Behind everything else, yeah, we want great employees and we want the best customers and blah, 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 and the best stuff. But really, somebody had an idea how to make money and here's my idea, you know. So basically, behind all that is the business and how can I make my company grow. But we're not here to grow a church. We're here to grow human beings. We're here to grow the sons and daughters. We're here for your hearts to burn passionately after the father. That's what we're here for. We're here to call you to a new level. Every single time you step into this house, we're going to call you to a new level. The next thing I learned about was faith. Those people got some faith. And it's not just an ordinary faith. It's not a faith that that even matters about what you need or what you want or how good you are. 
You see, there's a lot of need in this world. There's a lot of people who need stuff. There's a lot of homeless people on the street. There's a lot of just, you know, people in the world who are hungry, who are starving, who need something from God. But need doesn't move God's heart. Want doesn't move God's heart. How righteous you are doesn't move God's heart. I'm talking about faith. Faith will move God's heart. Hebrews says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith moves God's heart. In Korea, we learned about a faith that's not just an ordinary faith. It's a faith that is built on because that's who he is. Snap. You see, in the old days, you got your name based on what you did. If you were a blacksmith, your name was Mr. Smith. If you were a plumber, your name was Mr. Plumber. There was fishers. There was bakers. That's how you got your name. And in the Bible, God calls himself names. He says, I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm your provider. He says, I'm Jehovah Nisi. These are stuff he called himself. He said, you can call me that because that's what I call myself. I'm your healer. I'm your provider. I'm your banner of protection. This is what he's called himself. These are not names that we have given him. These are names he's given himself. So when you are, when I'm talking about faith, I'm talking about a faith that, you know what? When, when the Bible talks about Jesus walking down the street and he sees the man and the, he says, the man goes to him, Jesus, heal me. And he says, you know, what do you, what do you need? And then the man says, I'm blind. And then it's always the same thing because of your faith, because of your faith, because you know what? Faith is like, I don't even know how to put this faith. God just can't resist faith. When he sees your faith, it's just like, did you call? Because that's just who he is. That's just who he is. So we're on the, we're, we yeah, this is crazy. So we're, we're going out shopping at midnight because in Korea, people don't sleep. People do not sleep. It's crazy. So they, they ask us, it's like 11 o'clock. They're like, what do you guys want to do? Like, I don't know. And uh, they're like, well, there's a place called Dongne Moon, and it stays open 24 hours. And they're shopping, and there's all kind of stuff. You guys want to check it out? Like, okay, let's go. So they take us to this shopping area, and I'm talking malls open 24 hours. People, there's like thousands of people just walking around the street. So we're in the car, and the lady who's taking us, all of a sudden, she's not feeling good. She's feeling sick. She's feeling something is just wrong. And uh, she's feeling weak. And she's, I mean, she just looked bad. And we're like, what, what's going on? And she's like, you know, I just don't feel good. And uh, then we get in the cab. And the cabs, you know, they don't have any, any rules for driving over there. They just, they were running red lights. And, I mean, it was scary. But we get there, and she's about to pass out. And uh, she's like, you guys just pray for me. And so uh, 
I put my hand on her and I said, Lord, it's not that we even need a healing right now. You know what? We want it, but that doesn't even matter. The point is you are a healer. If you don't heal her, that's fine. It doesn't matter, but you are the healer. That's who you are. And we're just believing because your name is healer that she's healed. And that was it. I was just like, let's go shopping. And she goes, she goes, man, I just heard some of your mama come out of you right now. And I was like, well, how do you feel? She was like, I feel perfectly fine. Let's go shopping. Man, it was like I I was at this place where, you know what? If you pulled a knife on me, I'd be like, man, you ain't going to stab me. You know who my father is? My father is a protector. Get up out of my face. Man, you couldn't. We were at this level. We were at this place where ain't nothing was going to bother us. Ain't nothing was going to take us down. Ain't nothing because our hearts were burning. Our hearts were at this place where we just wanted more and more of God. And there was nothing that was going to get in the way of us and God. There was nothing. And that's the culture that I want to bring back here. That's the culture. When I came back and I was trying to lead worship on a, the devotion the other day and I there was something wrong there was something going on and my brother he was just like okay stop let's talk he said everything that my heart was feeling he was just like you know what these times of devotion are for our hearts to burn after God these are not times to think about what's going on in the world and what's going on in your life devotion and prayer time is for you to go hard after God and for your hearts to burn and I was just like snap that's exactly what I wanted to say but that's the culture that we need here at Living Hope yes we have powerful services yes we have but you know what it can go to a new level And it's only going to go there when every single one of us get that in their spirit. I got to get with the Lord every day. I got to get more of the Lord every day. I got to get my heart burning after God. That's the only way we're going to go as a body. We have to move as a body. That's the only way we're going to go. We're not going to leave people behind. We're going to move as one body, one heart, as one living hope. That's where we're going. All right, let's pray.
Lord, we're going deeper tonight. We're going deeper tonight. We're going deeper than we've ever gone before. We're going deeper than we've ever gone before. We're going deeper, God. We're ready, God. We're ready. We're ready to go deeper. We're ready, God. We're ready, God. Take us deeper, God. Take us deeper, God. Take us out of that place where we are. Take us out of that place, Lord, and call us into the holy place. Call us into the holy place, God. chasing we're chasing we're chasing we're chasing after you tonight god 